All right, Genesis chapter 2, and we just read the story of the creation of the first man and woman. And I want you to notice what it says in verse uh, 22. It says, "...in the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of a man." Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And I've been wanting to preach on this for a long time and I'm just not getting around to it. And I've got two messages today. Both of them are long. I usually try to do the short one on Sunday morning, but they're both long today. So I'm going to try to preach through this fast. I've got a lot of stuff that I want to cover, but... Um, I, I had a, I've had a couple conversations recently with, or, or a while back with a pastor, and um, you know found out there's a lot of weird beliefs popping up out there. I don't know if anybody realizes, but doctrine is not going well in America, even amongst Baptist churches. And uh, I was kind of challenged on this subject, and uh, I was shocked that it was even a question. But um, I'm going to. But the title of the message this morning is: Should the government be involved in marriage? Okay. Now listen. Nobody is going to agree with uh, you more than me if you start trashing the government and talking about how messed up they are and how bad they are with everything. I get that. Uh, Our government, they don't even know what marriage is anymore. They think two dudes can get married and two women can get married. And folks, that's wrong on so many levels. But, you know, there's one specific area where we don't talk about it enough, that is a major part of marriage. And again, it just shows not only is the government messed up, but I think they're even out to get us a little bit. But at the same time, I think they're out to get us a lot. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now, things that God has actually given the government authority to do, that they should no longer do those things. You know, when we see the government doing something right, we should support that. We, and we should always get behind areas where they're doing things right. And there's not too many places where they're doing things right. But I do believe that when it comes to marriage, when it comes to marriage licenses, I do believe that they should, there is, uh, they should be a part of that. And I th- I'm going to show this to you biblically. And so first here, or you know, right here though, we do. We see this very first marriage. And who was it? Who was marriage instituted by? God. Without a doubt, it was by God. It was God that performed the first wedding ceremony. It was God that brought the first couple together. God is definitely behind marriage. Without a doubt, God's involved in marriage. Jesus said, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. We're going to look at that here in a little bit. But since some people believe, and this is what I was told, is that since God instituted marriage, that the church should be over marriages and not the government. Okay? And because of the fact it was instituted by God, just like, you know, God instituted baptism and the Lord's Supper, and it's the church that presides over that, not the government. And since God instituted marriage, the church should be over it. And so churches are the ones that perform marriages, you know, marriage licenses, certificates or whatever. But uh, is that biblical? Because here's the thing, too. If God instituting marriage means that the church is the only one that should be over marriages, then guess who should be over the death penalty? Churches, right? Because, I mean, God instituted it. God, God, just like God you know, gave marriage to Adam, God gave the death penalty to, to Noah. And you know, that's the first church right there. 
You know, Noah and the ark. That's a picture of the church. Picture rapture of the church. God put Noah into the ark. What happened? You know, they all went above the waters. You know, they was above the flood. Represents the tribulation. God brought them all down. First church, amen. Right? That's what everybody teaches. And what did God tell that Noah? What did God tell the first church? You know, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. We're instituting the death penalty in church. No, no, we're not instituting the death penalty in church. Okay? God has not given that to the church. Okay? You know, sometimes people need to think through some of their principles and things they're pulling out of the Bible. You know, they're, they're just getting a little too anxious to make the Bible prove something that they've already decided in their mind. We gotta, we gotta watch out for that kind of thing. And so, if you, I'm going to give you a few reasons why I believe the government should be involved in marriages. And again, I understand, you know, our government is in a bad place right now and are doing a very bad job on a lot of areas. But our government perverting marriage the way they have, they have it's a result of them forgetting God. But it's also because they have forgot what God ordained them to do. Not only should they be involved in it, there's a reason. There, there's a reason God wants them involved in it. They have a responsibility to the people, to society, that they are failing on miserably and that they have forgotten that they're supposed to be involved in it. And, and so because of this, you know, people, because they've forgotten other responsibilities God's given them, they have no problem with perverting what marriage is and actually doing more damage to the cause. And so, um, you know, so, so at the same t- time, Though, if they are in some areas doing things right, let's support that. Let's keep participating in it. Let's not get involved in the anarchy. Let's not get involved in the wickedness and the godlessness that's going on. And so, their redefining of marriage, it is, it's having a devastating impact on our country. But what they, what they are doing to destroy our country with marriage actually started before homo marriages. It started long before that. And so, while God started marriage with Adam, we got to understand here in Genesis 2, Adam is not the head of a spiritual people, but of a physical people. He's what you know, we call the federal head of mankind. Because understand, the church was something that came later. Okay, and a spiritual people is even something that came later. You know, when God ordained marriage, church was not a thing. A spiritual and a physical people were not a thing. It was all kind of one at this time. And so when marriage started, there wasn't a group of saved and lost. We don't have that yet. And this concept, it wasn't something that came until after the fall. And it didn't even come immediately after the fall. In fact, we don't even really see it becoming a thing until the line of Cain started to grow and the line of Seth started to grow. Then all of a sudden, you know, we have a group where men begin to call on the Lord while you have another group that's being godless. That, and so the, this concept of two different peoples, it didn't come until years and years later. But marriage was immediately a thing. It's, it's, it's uh, something that has always been around. And, and I don't have time to, you know, spend showing a lot of this stuff. But the, uh, so, so the unsaved group, Here's another thing I gotta understand. The unsaved group actually came before the saved group. Did you know that? Because the natural always comes before the spiritual. Okay? We have Adam before we have the second Adam, Jesus. We have Adam, who the Bible says was earthy, 
And then you have the second Adam, Jesus, who is spiritually and of the heavenly. That's the way it always works. The natural always comes before the spiritual. So understand, before we had a spiritual people, we had a natural people. And you know what they had? They had marriage. So keep, keep that in mind. So let's not make marriage just this spiritual thing that's for the church. No, it is for mankind. If mankind is going to exist, if we as a nation are going to survive and not die through wars and famines and diseases and anarchy, we've got to have some structure in our society. And you know what we have to have? We have to have marriage. We have to have it. It is an absolute necessity. And so... Marriage is specifically an earthly thing. In Matthew 22, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. And Jesus brings this up when people are asking, Hey, this woman, she had seven husbands, but she never had any children by them. You know, they all died. Whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? And Jesus is like, you all just don't even understand the Bible. Marriage is an earthly thing. This is, this, this is an earthly concept. Marriage is something that we have so we can survive as a people. In the resurrection, we're in a glorified state. We don't need to reproduce. We don't need to worry about dying off. The, marriage is an earthly thing. So let's not make this something that's just for the church. Baptism is a spiritual thing. Okay? You know, the Lord's Supper, that is a spiritual thing. That is something that belongs to the church. But marriage is an earthly thing. And so God, God wanted man to be fruitful and multiply and to replenish the earth. God gave that command before the fall. God said, be fruitful and multiply. It says in Genesis 1.27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God ordained marriage. God commanded mankind. God didn't just command His people. God commanded mankind to be fruitful and to multiply, to have dominion over the earth, to replenish it, to subdue it. And let me tell you, the result of men and women coming together is children. That, that's exactly what's going to happen. Matthew 19.4 says, And he answered and said to them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And so while God is involved with the joining of man and woman, notice how it's man that puts them asunder and not God. God's, man's the one that does divorce. Man is the one that puts them asunder. Now, when the Bible says what God had joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, why is he saying this? Does this mean divorce is technically impossible? Because if God joined you together, then you can't be separated. Or is this just showing that divorce is an unholy thing that God is not involved in. Because I do believe that two people can be divorced. I do believe that man has the power to put two people asunder. But notice who has that power. It's man that has that power to put people asunder. And, and so, 
what, uh, while divorce, because and here's what we got to understand too, and don't take this the wrong way, but while divorce was permitted, it was never blessed by God nor approved of by God. It, but it was permitted. We see in Matthew 19, verse 7, they say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? You're saying what God had joined together, let not man put asunder the woman. Why did Moses give a bill of divorcement? And then he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered or allowed you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So right here, what Jesus is saying, yes, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses gave you an allowance to be divorced. But this isn't something that was from the beginning. From the beginning, it was not so. This wasn't something that God originally set up. This was not God's original plan. And here's what you have to understand, that... People, people, they often mistake, the, you know, God's permission for something is God's approval of something. But you got to understand, we do have a free will. Okay? God, because you can say it this way, God allows us all the ability to sin. But does that mean he approves of it? Oh, but can we sin? Yeah, we can sin, can't we? Now, again, when I say, can we sin? Am I saying that God's okay with it? No, I'm just saying we have the ability to do it. Now, when we sin, does God cast us away? Does God kill us? Does he take away our salvation? No. Now, some people say, you're teaching license to sin. When we, you, you people that teach eternal security, you're just giving people license to sin. No, we're not. We're just showing, though, that you know, we just believe what the Bible says about salvation. It's an, etern it's an eternal thing. It's a free gift. But at the same time, nobody's saying God's okay with us sinning. We're, God's not pleased with it. God's not giving us His approval in the sense of, Hey, Lord, you know what? I really want to do this sin. I could use some extra money. I'm pretty sure I can knock off that gas station right there and get away with it. What do you think? He's not in heaven. Like, yeah. Now, at the same time, do I physically have the ability to do that? Well, yeah. But is God going to be pleased with that? No. Is God going to kill me if I do that? I mean, he might let me get caught. He might let me go to jail. He's not going to bless me. But you know what? Is he going to take away my salvation? License to sin. That's what people say. So again, understand, divorce is a real thing. Divorce is man putting a couple asunder. God does not like that, but it is, so, it is something that we're capable of doing, and it's even something that's recognized. But man, does, man is the one that does that. Now, how can man even do that unless man is somehow a part of the process, too? That's something that we need to, we need to keep in mind. And so, um, you know, so... Again, why should the government then be involved or even care about marriages? And I believe it's because, and this is, this is the part that we forget about as Christians, and this is the part our government has forgot about. And understand, when I'm talking about government too, I'm not talking about federal government. That's another thing you have to understand. Okay, government is getting redefined all the time too. I'm talking about biblical government. Okay, this federal government concept where they're just doing one size fits all for everybody is junk. When it comes to even state government, 
It's too big. And you know what? When it comes to marriage licenses, you know who deals with that? The county. That's more like it. That's them actually doing something right. That's local government dealing with it. And I believe that's a good thing because, and here's what we've got to understand. And so when I say the government today, all right, I want you to forget about the pagan temples in Washington, D.C., all right, and the freaks and nut jobs and reprobates that are running the show out there. I want you to think about more local leaders. And I do. I believe when God instituted government, it was supposed to be a very local mindset. I believe we we should know our judges. We should know our leaders. We should know who they are. But most of us, we don't, we don't know who any of them are. You know, and, you know, this is one of these things where we just have so many problems in our government. A lot of times people's objections to what the Bible says you know, is based on all these other things that are wrong. And it's like, you know what? I can't fix everything that's wrong with the government right now in this message. But let's just focus on this marriage part, okay? Because, again, it, it's, uh, you know, we're assuming some things are right and biblical. And some things are, but a lot, a lot are wrong. But, but here's why, though. The government, locally speaking, and when I talk about government, too, I'm talking about, we're a part of that. I'm talking about a government of the people, for the people, by the people. That as it, us as members of a community, us as members of a, of a society, where we live amongst each other, we see each other, we know each other, we drive in the same roads, we go to the same stores, we work in many of the same places. I'm talking about local people that we come in contact with. We have to understand that we are responsible for widows and orphans. We are responsible for that. Okay, And so... Uh, Exodus, I've got a bunch of scriptures. I'm just going to hit a few of these. But Exodus 22, verse 22 says, Ye shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. Now, from reading this passage, does it look like God cares about widows and orphans? You better believe He cares about widows and orphans. And let me tell you, when, when they're crying, when, if a widow or orphan needs help and they are not helped, that's a curse on a society right there. That is a curse on a society. Deuteronomy 10.17 For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God and a mighty and a terrible which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger. I'm thinking about preaching a message on the strangers. There's a lot of passages too about taking care of strangers too. Uh, and uh, that's another concept we've perverted in our society today. It says, in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. So we see here, God cares very much. Talking about the fatherless and widows. He does, uh, we should have good judgment towards them. Deuteronomy 14.27, And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand, which thou doest. And God had a provision in that law because the Levites, they were, uh, they were solely involved in the spiritual things. They didn't have a land, so they weren't able to, you know, 
have farms and get food for themselves. And so God told the people, you take care of the Levites. And you know what? When there's a stranger within your gates, make sure he gets fed. Any widows or fatherless, you make sure they're fed. You make sure they're satisfied. And you say, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. I don't know if you can afford that. God said, if you do that, I'm going to bless you. You take care of the fatherless and the widows. And so the, um, and then there, there's a bunch more passages we can go to. But even in the New Testament, in James 1.27, it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. God always has, God always will care about the fatherless and widows. And if we have fatherless children in our area, if we have widows in our area, let me tell you, they need help. They need to be taken care of. They need to be looked after. So if it's the community's job to take care of the fatherless and widows, if they are responsible for the fatherless and widows, then shouldn't the community come up with some kind of way of keeping track of who is with women, potentially getting them pregnant? Shouldn't, isn't it okay then if, if women are going to be bearing children that our, our, our government is like, all right, who's getting her pregnant? We want to make sure this guy takes care of those kids. Because here's the thing. Ultimately, it's the responsibility of the man to take care of the women and the children. Okay? All right? I'm not trying to sound like a patriarchy guy, kind of guy, even though that's exactly what I am, even though that's exactly what the Bible teaches. But let me tell you, it is the responsibility of the man to take care of the wife and children. It is the responsibility of the man to protect them, to provide for them. That is our, that is our job. I, my wife has given birth to eight children. And you know what? I shouldn't be bringing all these children in the world just to let the government take care of them, which is a lot of what we got going on today. But you know what? The government should be keeping track of me to make sure I'm taking care of them. Because I'm going to show you too here statistics on fatherless children. It is a problem. It is a, it is a stain on society. It hurts a society. Those fatherless children, it's not their fault. Okay? They're, you know, they're the victims in many situations. But let me tell you something. Children that grow up without fathers statistically is a problem for a community. It is a burden to the community. And I don't think it's wrong. I, in fact, I think it's biblical. If our government's right, you know what? If a guy is going to be sleeping with a woman, potentially getting her pregnant, you know what? It should be a thing that, you know what? He's got to commit to her first and we're going to, they're going to get married. And not only that, we're going to keep track of it. We're going to, we're going to make sure that these, you know, that, Hey, dude, you're assuming responsibility for it. You want a physical relationship with that woman? That's great. That's normal. But let me tell you something. You better stay just with her because even scientifically we figured out if you don't, there's, you're likely to spread disease. That's a big problem for our community. That's a big problem in society. I mean, even in the Old Testament, it warned about sodomites and people like them, how the land vomiteth out the inhabitants. If we're going to survive as a society, we don't need everybody dying of STDs and getting all these weird diseases and things. And you know what? You don't have to worry about that if you just have two people, a man and woman, get married and just stay with each other. Then you don't have to worry about that. And so, and, and again, and as long as you've got an able-bodied man who's not a worthless, lazy bum, 
who will go out and go do some work. And it's not that hard to do in our day and age we live in. Then you know what? He'll be there for those children. Those children will have what they need. They'll have structure. They'll have love. They'll have discipline. And they'll have all those things they need. And you know what? They won't be worthless members of society rioting and looting places. I'm getting tired of seeing all these videos come out of grown, grown kids. You know, they're in their 20s. They're in their 30s, but they're still kids throwing temper tantrums and gas stations and restaurants and just everywhere, destroying places. I'm tired of seeing grown kids go walking into stores and just grabbing everything and carrying, these, carrying everything out. Nobody can do anything about it. You know what's happening? These are fatherless children is what we have going on here. That's what happens to society when kids don't have a father in a home. You have anarchy. You have rebellion. You have perversion. You have diseases and things. These things all come from that. And you know what? Society has always understood kids need a mother and a father. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes there's tragedies. Sometimes the dad dies. But communities understand Kids need a mother and a father. And if they are going to potentially be bringing somebody in the world, you know what? It's okay for us to be looking and saying, all right, dude, are you planning on taking, you're going to take care of them. These are your kids. We got a marriage license. You're the one married to that woman. Those are, those are your children. We have birth certificates on those kids. These kids, they belong to you. You're responsible for them. But what do we, even, what do we have today? Just welfare, this, you know, everything's welfare. You've got all these kids on well, you know, they're they're on welfare when they have an able-bodied father. And guys have gotten so pathetic today. Our government has gotten involved in so many things that shouldn't be involved in that we have enabled deadbeat, loser, worthless, good for nothing, and any more negative adjectives you can think of, men that are just able to go fool around with women, get them pregnant, bring kids in the world. And nothing happened to him. But let me, you know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own, especially for they, those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And did you know that that passage isn't even talking so much about your wife and kids? It's actually talking about your, like, your mother and grandmother. I mean, that's, that's what that's actually talking about. And of course, that would include your wife and children too, by all means. But even your mother and grandmother, you know, he, it's talking about taking care of widows there in the church. And it's like if they don't have any children or nephews, which was a word for grandchildren back then, then, you know, then you can take care of them. But otherwise, it's their responsibility. So, but again, what if somebody doesn't have family? You know, hey, that's a tragedy. That's when we as a community should come together and we should help them out. But let me tell you something. If we as a community are responsible for helping take care of the fatherless, the last thing we need to be doing is building housing complexes that are just basically breeding grounds for fatherless children. We're, we're, we need to stop making human kennels where we put people and just let them go procreate with absolutely no responsibilities, with absolutely, you know, with, without them getting married or anything like that, just creating a greater burden on society, which is what we're doing. In our country today. So again, I, I get it. Our government has messed up so bad. It has messed up so bad. But the solution isn't let's just, you know, tell them to quit doing the one thing they were supposed to be doing, you know, with marriage licenses and things like that. It's okay to keep track of that stuff. It's okay if we as a society, hey, we want to know who's getting married. We want to know when a child comes into the world because we want to know who the parents are. 
You know, because we're just kind of keeping track to make sure they take care of them. Because those kids do belong to you. They don't belong to the community. They belong to you. And you need to be taking care of them. And so if a man's going to be, begin a physical relationship with a woman, it's not supposed to just be a casual thing, according to the Bible. But because it's something that is likely going to result in children. And people, you know, if, and so if, we're, if, if that's going to be going on, I think it's fine for our government to say, you all need to get married first. Y'all need it, and, and we're keeping track. We're getting licensed. And let me tell you something, and this is just my opinion. Okay? Don't worry, I'm not planning on running for office. But you know what? Deadbeat dads, I think, should be allowed to be sold uh, or, you know, as slaves. I, 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 think, I think deadbeat dads should be or put in some kind of uh, debtor's prison or something like that. Because you know what? That's not fair. It is not fair that my tax dollars are paying for food and everything for the child of some guy who's able-bodied. Yeah. You know, why in the world should I pay for some drug dealer's kid's Amen. food? He's not even paying taxes on the money. He's driving nicer cars. You know, they wear shoes that, you know, probably cost more than my car. You know, and then, and then I'm paying for their kid's food and everything, and then they're demanding more. Listen, I'm sorry. I, I, you say, you say slavery is bad. Not all slavery is bad. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, you, you want to talk about slavery? How about me being forced to pay for the deadbeats, kids' food and everything? That, that's forced slavery. Okay? As soon as I'm a slave. I'm a slave and I want emancipated. Because I'm tired of paying taxes that are going to the public school. My kids aren't going to the public school. My kids have done... I have gotten nothing from all the tax money that's gone to the public school. But you know what? There's a lot of able-bodied men out there. They're not paying any taxes. Their kids are going to those schools. Those, their, their kids are getting you know, daycare that government's paying for. And you're going to tell me I'm not a slave? No. I Listen, we've got slavery in this country, ladies and gentlemen. And all of us taxpayers in here, we're all slaves. And you know what? I'm going on a march tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that stuff gets me fired up. But get, listen, you know, so women, and, you know, and, and, and so understand this too. You know, women also, another problem we have is women can get divorced way too easy too. I don't believe women should be able to just divorce their husband for any reason. And if she does, you know, the government, you know, should be, you know, make sure that everyone is going to be cared for, you know, to the point where they even take over their finances. And that's what they do a lot of times too. You know, they'll, they'll seize your wages and things if guys aren't paying child support. Again, I think responsibility, you know, there's, you know, women too, they, yeah, they need to be faithful to their husbands as well. And uh, if, if they're going to be able to divorce the guy, you know, they better prove that the guy is actually abusive and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That, but, you know, today they just fall out of love with them. You know, he forgot her birthday or something. You know, that, no, that's not how that works, okay? But fatherless children, statistically, they are bad for society. And again, I'm not, we're not picking on these kids. Listen, as, you know, Christian men, we ought to be there for people like this. If you have a, if you have, especially in your family, nieces, nephews, especially those ones, 
you know what? You ought to reach out. You ought to try to be there for them. You ought to try to be a positive influence. When there, if there's people in the church, you know, if there's kids who don't have a father, other godly men in the church ought to try to be a mentor and try to be a blessing and a help to them. And let me tell you, a lot of fatherless children turn out just great. And you know why? It's typically because of maybe either exceptional mothers, you know, but a lot of times too, it's the combination of exceptional mothers and maybe exceptional grandparents, an exceptional uncle, an exceptional godly individual in the church. Everybody needs that positive, you know, male influence in their life. Every, everyone needs that. And you know what? You might have a child who doesn't have that, but you know what they are? Again, they are exceptional. They are the exception because the, the statistics, and again, a lot of what the government does, a lot of their decisions they make, they're based on statistics and things. Well, listen, we've got to do something about this fatherless children problem. And, and the fatherless children problem we have today, it's not because all our men are going to war and getting killed. Okay? It's because, no, the dads are just missing in action. That's the, these are most of who we're talking about today. These are not kids whose dads died. These are kids whose dads are missing in action. And I, I've got a ton of these. I'm just going to read a few. But 85% of youth who are currently in prison, 85% grew up in fatherless homes. Listen, prison costs a lot of tax money too. It does. It costs a lot of tax money. They say for you know one year of prison costs as much as four years of school. You say, why do you bring up that statistic? Well, they always bring it up because they're thinking if we just put more money towards the schools, then we'll stop from going from, to prison. How about we get dads in the home and then we don't have to give the money to the school or the prison. We're way better off. But maybe I should run for office. No, I'm not running for office. Seven out of every ten youth that are housed in state-operated correctional facilities, including detention and residential treatment, come from fatherless homes. 39% of students in the United States from first grade to their senior year of high school do not have a father at home. And children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a, with a father. And again, their solution is always just more funding, more funding, more funding. No, how about we get dads in the home? How about we have strong family values? That's what we need. Children from fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out from school before graduating than children who have a father in their lives. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. That equates to one in every three children in the United States not having access to their father. Um, girls who live in a fatherless home have a 100% higher risk of suffering from obesity than girls who have their father present. Teen girls from fatherless homes are also four times more likely to become mothers before the age of 20. But, you know, what does the government want to do? Oh, more funding. Let's give them more food stamps. And then all of a sudden they'll start buying healthier options for food. How about we just have fathers in the home? No. Do you realize how much money we would save if we would just get fathers in the home? And then all these other problems just go away. I could just go on and on. There's, there, there's a ton of them here. I don't, I don't have time. To go through these, I'll do a few more, but 57% of the fatherless homes in the United States involved African American slash black households. Uh, Hispanic households have 31% fatherless rate, while Caucasian and white households have 20% fatherless rates. And, you know, isn't it interesting that, you know, in African American communities, you have higher crime. Now, is this a race problem or is it a fatherless problem? 
It's a father's problem. Those things go together. You get dads, but folks, what is what is our government doing? Our government's saying two guys can marry, two women can marry. They're they're making divorce easier all the time. They're they're literally anything that you can do to make this problem worse. That's exactly what they're doing. Look at the filth that they're promoting. Look at the sex education garbage that they're teaching in these schools. It's, I mean, and this, this problem is only going to grow. It's only going to get worse. Look at what's going on in some of these cities. When you see just the abominations taking place in the streets, when we're seeing these homeless populations, these homeless camps growing all over the place, you know, what is the result of this? Obviously, there's a bunch of things. It's never just one thing, but you want to know what a huge part of it is? Fatherless homes. And folks, as, as a society, we have a responsibility to protect ourselves from that happening to us. And you know what? It is foolish. It doesn't make any sense for a society, if we want to survive as a town, if we want to survive as a state, the last thing that we should do is allow immorality to run rampant because we don't need diseases being spread around. Our government acts like they care about diseases. They care about a flu, but they don't care about all the STDs and things that are out there that are way worse. We, you can get over a flu in a couple of weeks. These other things are absolutely horrible and too disgusting to even talk about. And yet, they don't do anything about that. They, folks, they don't care about that. But we as a society should. And we should say, hey, that's not okay in this society. If you're going to be sleeping around, if you're going to be doing this kind of thing, you're going to pay the consequences. We're going to run you out of town. We're going to lay stripes on you. That We're going to, we're going to put you to death. Whatever it is. Because this kind of thing is not okay. You're bringing, you know, when a girl gets pregnant out of wedlock, it's not just a sin. It's bad for society. It, statistically, that we're likely to have problems. Statistically, that child is going to end up becoming a burden to all of us. And it happened not because of a tragedy. It happened because two people just gave in to the lust of their flesh. We're not willing to take any responsibility. Even President Obama the one time when he was giving one of his speeches, you know, and he's talking about access to abortion, all these things, you know, it's like, you know, if my daughter gets pregnant, doesn't want, you know, the last thing I want is for her to be punished with a baby. But it's like, listen, I understand people wanting the physical relationship. It's the most normal thing in the world. But let me tell you something. There's responsibility that comes with it. And we live in a country where everybody wants all the pleasures that the world can offer with none of the responsibility. Let me tell you something. Physical relationship's a good thing. But you know what? A wife, children, they're big responsibilities. And they're worth it. Boy, they are worth it. But they are. They're a responsibility. They're, they're a burden sometimes. Listen, kids, while they're a great blessing... They break your heart sometimes too. They scare you to death. They get hurt. I mean, how many parents do you just feel like you're just trying to keep them alive all the time? And I do. You know, I look at where we're at now in our marriage. I'm just like, I can't believe all our kids are still alive. I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, it, it, you know, we've, we've had a lot of trips to the hospital. You know, there's been a lot of prayer. 
You know, been a lot, been a lot of close calls. But then, and then here's the thing about that too. You know, we've got kids that are adults now. I guess you don't stop worrying about them. It's almost worse. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're making big decisions, you know, about marriage and things like that. And then, you, you know, so when, when they're little, it's just about behavior and surviving the day so you can get them to bed and finally relax. You know, but then when they start getting older, you know, you start, th- you start and you, as a pastor too, you just see bad marriages and things that are out there and you realize what could potentially happen to your kids. You start thinking of ways you can get away with murder. <laughs> Somebody ever does something. <laughs> To, to one of your kids, you know, those, those, you know, those, those are the things, those are the burdens that we have. And, but, I, but our country, people don't think about that at all. You have some just animal guy sees a pretty girl. I want my way with her and I want no responsibilities. Let me tell you, that is not the way things are intended. God put something in you men to cause you to want a woman because God wanted you to be fruitful and multiply. And I'm telling you, we are nuts as a society if we don't have something to kind of regulate these things and to make sure a guy stays with one woman and that we do keep track because it is it is your responsibility. You bring that child in the world. They are your responsibility. And if you mess up, it's going to become our responsibility. And I don't really want, I don't want the responsibility of taking care of other people's kids. Okay? I, I'm thankful for my nieces and nephews. I love my nieces and nephews, but I don't want to raise them. I don't want to pay for their stuff. And so you know what? But at the, at the same time, I'd like to think if something tragic happened, that I would be there for them, that I would help them, that I would take them in. But you know what? I'm glad my sisters aren't just out there just getting pregnant because they're just giving in to lustful desires. No, they got married. And first, and their husbands are taking care of those kids, and I can enjoy my nieces and nephews. They don't cost me any money. That's the way it should be. I want to have grandkids. I do. I want to have grandkids. And you always hear about these grandparents too that are like down on their kids for having children, and and, and that's wrong. But let me tell you though, is it one of these situations though where the grandparents providing for the grandkids? You know why some grandparents don't get excited when they find out you're going to have another baby? Because it's more responsibility for them. Let me tell you something. I want grandkids. But I don't want to pay for their stuff. Listen, it's been a financial fight for survival for the last 20-some years. And I've enjoyed my kids, and I'm looking forward to enjoying grandkids. But I'm also looking forward to not having those financial responsibilities, too. You know, and, and so, you know what? I hope my kids have kids, but I hope they do it right. I hope they find one spouse and they stay together. And I do. I've got a lot more girls than I have boys. And those guys better provide. Because as a grandparent, I'm not going to let my grandkids starve. But let me tell you, some guys get my daughter pregnant and not taking care. And I, I do. And I'm, I start paying the bills. That's when I start becoming a very intrusive father-in-law. And start... You know, coming, you know, start using some of my ideas I've come up with in case I ever need to take, you know, take care of things. Come up with some pretty good ideas that I can't say publicly, but not. <laughs> but either way, either way you look at it, we we just need to understand the importance of fathers being in the home, and a government that does, is not somehow keeping track and involved is 
derelict of their duties. And so let's participate, let's cooperate in this area. And, and, a, and a government that's not involved in marriages and one that allows immorality is a government that's determined to let its nation self-destruct. And anyone who wants a wife wants a good thing. And, but you know what? You should follow the process. You, you, should, you should go have to go to the county clerk and get a license and do all that. You should have to do all that stuff, guys. Some guys, they don't want to do anything. And it's like, well, you know what? Stay away from my daughter. You're pathetic. You stink. You know? And uh, you know, we, need to, we need to set an example and not add to the anarchy that's destroying this country. Guys, protect your daughters. You know what? Do make, you know, get big and strong and ugly, buy guns and all those things, and make that guy come through you. Make him talk to you. Make him recognize your authority and say in these things, well, you know, they're 18, what the government says. You know what? Who cares what the government says when it comes to this, when it, when it comes to that stuff? You know, I'm responsible for them. And our government should have laws and, you know, they shouldn't just let 15-year-olds go out and get married and stuff like that. And, you know, and they do. They've got a limit. You know, if, they're under, if they want to get married under 18, they've got to have, like, parental consent, all this kind of stuff. I, I, think, that's, I think that's how it should be. But at, at, at the end of the day, if you as a parent, you want to have a different rule, that's fine. You know, you're allowed to do that because you're responsible. And the standard that our state comes up with might not be good enough on some of these things. And so hopefully... Uh, this message just kind of helps you understand why the government's involved, what marriage is, and and how it works in the in the big scheme of things. Because it is, it's all we cannot let our country and our. I don't want this community to turn into Chicago. And but you know what? I don't care. I don't care how. I won't say it that way. If people take the wrong way. But let me just let me. Say, I said so I don't care what happens. If we have the same statistics as Chicago when it comes to fatherless homes over here, we'll have the exact same problems. Gun violence will increase. All the problems will increase. And so uh, hopefully this was a help. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for uh, the examples that we can find in your word, for the instruction that it gives. And I pray that this will be a message, Lord, to uh, every man, especially in here, Lord, to just be responsible uh, for the wife and the children that you've given them. I pray you'll uh, help us all as dads to you know, uh, teach our boys to be responsible in the same area. Lord, we have a society that they want instant pleasure, instant gratification, instantly all the time. And I pray you'll, uh, you'll help us to be different here, that we'll help them understand the responsibilities that they have so they can do things right. We can raise good uh, kids that are productive and uh, good, uh, beneficial members to society. In your name we pray. Amen.